It's weird how many shows had giant talking heads. There's Legends of Hidden Temple. Power the Power Rangers. Rangers. I guess just those two. Maybe it's not strange after <laughs> it's all. Crazy. It's crazy. How many of those shows? It's all crazy two how of two of those things were similar. Two of them, man. It's crazy. No, there had to be more. Okay. Favorite TV show as a kid? Cartoon or... Let's go cartoon, then live action. Doug. Oh, yes. I loved me some Doug. And this is why we record a podcast together, because Doug, I don't know if I would have remembered it just then, mm-hmm. but great, 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 yeah. great, great. I was a big Power Rangers fan. The original. I come home in the afternoons, throw my backpack on the floor, Fox 29. That's it, man. Watch Power Rangers. Loved it, it. Was, it was legit. When I was a kid and we would play... Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles or anything like that. I was always the nerdy one. So when we played Power Rangers, I had to be Billy the Blue Ranger. <laughs> when we played Ninja Turtles, I was Donatello, the nerdy one. Always. It's crazy. That's good. Yeah, we got this. Good show. <laughs> and we're off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the one and only one hour a week podcast. Actually, this is not the one and only. This is episode seven. What? Can't believe we're still around. Seven is a biblical number of awesomeness. So this is the last one? No, we're going to keep going. We're not complete after this? We're not complete. We're going to keep this thing rocking and rolling along. I am Rusty Mott here with the one and only Jared Hallyer. Hey, everybody. Often copied, never duplicated. <laughs> was that an Aladdin reference? No, actually, it's a, what was on the bag of heavy-duty horse feed uh, when I was growing up. So Today's episode brought to you by Mott's in that's Spur- right. downtown Spurger, Texas. Go get you some of that heavy-duty, heavy-duty, heavy-duty sweet feed. <laughs> well, we are excited to be here today. Hey, by the way, we are recording on a... Not really a new setup, the same thing we had, but we are using some some new equipment and stuff. Thanks to our new producer, <gasps> Pat Overstreet. Audio engineer. What up? Hey. Hashtag, actually not, that's, what is it? At, is this Pat O? That is his handle, is this Pat O? Check him out, follow him on Twitter. He is also the minister of music at Cornerstone Baptist Church, and we're thankful for him. So he's got us rolling. We're going to sound even better. I mean, I think we sound pretty good all the time. Uh, our voices are smooth like jazz or butter, <laughs> so depending on what you think. And we've enjoyed it, so it's going to be great. So, I, hey. I wanted to help you out. When you, you... No, no, you didn't. You <laughs> sat over there and watched me wallow in that I awkwardness. Did. I watched you fall. You're such a jerk. Fun. Hey, speaking of tweeting and hashtagging and etting and all that stuff, Today, we are talking about the hot topic of social media. Hot topic. Hot topic. We've got some hot takes on some hot some topics. Hot takes over here. That's what we do. <laughs> we have some really, really strong opinions because we are two guys sitting here who came to age in the age of social media. We really kind of uh, started at the bottom, now we're here, <laughs> if you will. We really... From the very beginning, from Zanga all the way to where we are now. Um, and I don't know. Now I'm at the age where I've kind of jumped off the bandwagon. You don't even have a Facebook anymore. I, yeah, I'm off some of the social media. I quit going to the new things. I don't 
I don't snap tweet. I don't uh, <laughs> stop it. You know, I don't, don't play the old man. I don't uh, use the tweeter and the, all that stuff. The tweeting machine. Uh, so really, all I do is Twitter now. But we'll talk about kind of our journeys of social media and how that happened and what that looks like. So go on a kind of nostalgic road trip with us as we talk about that. And then when we get to this point here in a few minutes, we'll talk about some of the pitfalls and the really beneficial good things about social media. So. With that, Mr. Social Media, Jared Hall here. <laughs> Mr. Social Media. That's uh, what they call me. That's, yeah. Isn't that in your Twitter bio, Mr. Mm, Social Media? It's going to. It's after going today. to today. Yep. Uh, so now. Share with us kind of your journey of social media. You know, how old I'll, were you when you first started on well, this? Thing I started and, on Facebook, came out when I was in college. I can remember I worked in the, the, ETBU post office. And I remember one of my coworkers, Erica, came in and was like, have you heard of Facebook? Everybody's on the... This is when it was still the Facebook. Nice. I'm not sounding like an old man. It was called the Facebook. And you had to have a .edu email address to sign up. And I remember, I I saw a few years ago, because you could... There was this thing that came out where you could go back and look at your very first day on Facebook. And the first thing I ever put on Facebook was, Erica made me sign up. I'll probably never look at this again. Little did I know. Yikes. <laughs> right? So I remember, you know, I came up with everybody else. Like you said, started out with the .edu. And that was when you could only connect to people on your campus. It yeah. was real. I think Facebook kind of started getting ruined when they blew it open to everybody. Well, even before that, do you remember the controversy of the news feed? Used to remind me. Used to you just had your status and you had to go like if I wanted to see what's Jared up to, I would That's have to right. go to your page. And when they did the news feed, where all of a sudden you're just seeing everybody's stuff, everyone's interaction. I remember on campus at Dallas Baptist University, it was like all Hades had broken loose. I People don't were like, it being a controversy. I don't want to see what everybody's doing. <laughs> I don't want to. If only they knew. Like if I could go back to 2006 and be like, wait, it gets way oh, yeah. worse. Guys, just wait until you hear about Farmville. That's when right. Farmville comes out, that's, right. that's when you think your life will be over. Oh my god. But goodness. there's always something worse because just about the time we got over Farmville, there's another, you know, Candy Crush. And then yeah. after Candy Crush, a presidential election. So there's always something yeah. Than worse on the social media horizon. It's crazy. I would say my worst time period of social media was probably eight years ago or so. I had so I was I was all in on Facebook and Twitter, and then I started blogging, and I, I gained a, a small audience of consistent readers on my blog. Badlydrawnbible.com is where it started, and that eventually turned into jaredhollier.com. But I went to a blogging conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was all blog, and it was a small conference. There might have been a hundred people there, and we all traded contact information, and we went to workshops and talks about how to build your platform and how to be a better blogger. We left that, and we had all these little small uh, online groups and and Facebook groups and email groups where we would talk about how to build your platform and how to grow your audience. And we were guest posting on each other's blogs. My problem though was I didn't really have a goal. I was just trying to get more people to pay attention to me. And so looking back on that now, like at the time I thought it was cool because I would put up a blog post and a hundred people would share it and I'd have, you know, a couple thousand views on my site every week. But looking back on it now, I had no plan. I had no goal. I had no aspirations to write. I think I, you know, thought I might write a book, but so I was really, I'm really embarrassed now looking back that my goal for social media was so empty and vapid. There was no end game. And I could see how that would just be a bottomless pit of self-promotion, like trying to be bigger and trying to be more well-known, but to what end? And so 
at the time, I thought I was pretty cool, but looking back, I'm kind of embarrassed about that whole stretch of time. Yeah, I definitely can understand that. And to be honest, I think that is the biggest pitfall of social media in and of itself. And we'll get to that kind of in a, in a moment. I can definitely relate to that. I also, like you came up in the age of social media, started out with MySpace uh, because I was at a junior college and we were a little bit inferior, could not get on Facebook quite yet because we didn't have .edu emails and such. So you had to be at a university. They were a little exclusive at the beginning. So They're not recognizing community college. Yeah. They didn't addresses. recognize Navarro. And, you know, still a little bitter about it because Navarro was a happening joint. So speaking of joints, man, Navarro. <laughs> so remember what a big deal it was when you college. would add or take somebody out of your top eight? Oh, yeah, space. man. It was serious. That's a big deal. If you had a girlfriend and didn't immediately go home and put her in your top eight, that yeah. relationship was not lasting when long. When you discovered how people could apply backgrounds to their pages, <gasps> and you were like, this dude is so cool. And how you, did you make it sparkle? You were super serious about finding the right song mm-hmm. to have play when people got onto your page. Here on they say that a hero can say. But how annoying is it now when you go to a website and it immediately starts yes, playing a song? Yes, the, the worst. worst, man. Yeah, quit it. So it is funny how stuff changes. And even then, I remember when I got a MySpace music page when I had Rusty Mop Band up yeah. and running in college. Rusty Mop Band was a really funny thing because it was really just Rusty Mott. And uh <laughs> I did good enough advertising that people would call and try to offer try me to book gigs. You. And I would be like, uh, you know, we're kind of more of a one-man band right now. So, uh, and they'd be like, oh, well, we really kind of need a full band. You show okay. up like Dick Van Dyke well, from Mary Poppins. You got the symbols <laughs> yeah. between your knees. And, and it the was drum before Mumford and Sons taught me that I could have done my own kick you drum. You know, yeah. I could have made it happen. Uh, so, yeah, I would record songs including a classic song that we didn't have a drum, so we used like a file box to beat on Mm -hmm. as like a djembe and would upload that stuff to MySpace Music. And I felt like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Man, people back home are like, wow, Rusty's got music on his own website. It's so cool. And it really was like an awesome season. But it very quickly becomes, just like you said, building a platform. And Facebook, I remember getting to the point where I was interacting with people so it would show up on the news feed so other people would see that I was interacting with them. And it it just very quickly descends to that place. And like I said, I started right at that age when the Facebook was a thing and was up and coming and have carried it through a long time, many years. And I've seen the benefits. I've seen the really, really negative aspects of it. And through all of it, here we are, and you can't argue that social media is a fact of life now in yeah. 2017. We are the last generation that was introduced to social media as a new thing. The generation behind us, it's their native language. Yeah. I mean, social media in any form, you know, I know a lot of young people don't use Facebook today, but Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, you know, we are at the point where it's... doozle. Whatever it is. You know, Kick is something. <laughs> I made that. Up. I made Wichita up. <laughs> but there are apps that we don't see even, if I could slip it in there. <laughs> we don't even know about. But it's their native language. We we still have to learn technology. They grew up speaking the social media language, and so I, I'm going to be interested to see how it affects them in 20 years when these teenagers are in their mid 30s. There's no doubt that this stuff is going to come back in some way, or it's going to shape how they interact with each other in the future. They're definitely going to be screwed up because I feel like I... <laughs> I didn't want to take it I'm, that I'm far. just going to say it because I'm screwed up as a 30-year-old True. who just got in on the very beginning yeah. of it because 
and let's, I guess, kind of transition into some of the dangers of social media. It feeds the beast known as narcissism oh, yeah. that lives in every single one of us. And you don't have to be someone like us who are on platforms literally and metaphorically. You can just be somebody who doesn't even walk out of your house, but you, quote, build a platform. Right. And before long, you feel like here you are with all of these followers, and you can feel like a pretty big deal without ever really engaging with anybody. And I know it for me, it gets to the point where, and this has not been very long ago, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago when the Ferguson riots were happening mm-hmm. and some of the the racial tension in our country was reaching a fever pitch just a few years ago. And as if that's all solved, that's still, that's another episode in and of itself. But in the midst of that, everybody's given an opinion on social media. Everybody. I mean, uh, from your grandma to uh, famous pastors to musicians to celebrities to your neighbor, everybody is given their opinion on social media. And I remember feeling a pressure to respond. Right. Well, I need to say something about this. This is such a big deal. I can't be silent. And at the end of the day, I, I ended up not posting anything But I remember that pressure I felt to post something and almost reaching this moment where I was like, nobody cares what I think about Mm. this. Me posting about this isn't going to change anything. But here I am thinking like, man, I'm such a big deal. Yeah, You know, all those people that follow me on Facebook are as if somebody's going to read my post and be like, you know what? I am a racist. I need to stop that. Well, what it's done is for free... With an email address, everybody has a milk crate and a megaphone now. Mm. And because they have the tool, everybody thinks their opinion is equal. And society at large kind of confirms that and validates that idea that if you have an opinion, it's a valid opinion. And that's just not true. We need to realize that some opinions are more important than other opinions. You bring up the the Ferguson riots. I don't think I posted about that because I'm a middle-class white guy who grew up in a white town in a predominantly white area, and I have very few ethnic friends. If, if that's racially insensitive the way I said that, I apologize. It just furthers my point. So I didn't feel like my opinion on the matter was valid, and it would just be adding to the white noise, the static of the situation. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to edit that but, out. I don't know. That's, no, <laughs> leave it. Um, and so, so we need to all recognize that just because we have the opportunity to voice an opinion doesn't mean it's a valid opinion. And and like you said, we need to to have the humility to recognize that every situation doesn't need my response. If I don't respond, nobody's going to come clamoring for my opinion. But Jared, what do you think? Who cares? Nobody's clamoring. Well, and if they do, that that is much better discussed over a cup of coffee. Yeah, Facebook's not the place for that. Exactly. So in addition to the narcissism, um, to go back to my earlier point, another problem is that it gives you, it's treading water. When you're just, in my case, I was doing a lot of activity with no end goal in mind. Now, I understand how it's useful for people who are, you know, if you're a writer and you're using your blogging platform to hone your skills and to build your audience before a book release comes out, like that's totally different than what I was doing. I was spinning my wheels and putting a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of resources into something that had no end goal. And so I was just treading water. And now I look back at that as some wasted time and wasted energy. And yeah, maybe I had one or two blog posts that might, you know, went a little bit viral and got a couple thousand reads or whatever. But here we are five or six years later, it's made no difference in anybody's life. So, you know, I'm grateful to 
have people around me who say, Jared, you're not that big a deal, but also to have time and perspective now to go, what's the point of it all? If there's no real point to it, then why am I doing it? I think the moment where it all comes crashing down is when you realize that people don't care if it's there or not. True. And for me, when uh, probably about not quite a year, six, seven, eight months ago, I just kind of got fed up with it. And I just pulled the plug and got off of Facebook. Mallory and I shared one. And instead of Rusty and Mallory Mott, it overnight became Mallory Mott. And I had friends calling and being like, hey, are you guys okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. we did. But like we got divorced. It's I just took, I just got off of Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You know, thinking, man, I'm really going to, you know, they'll miss me now. Of course, I didn't say that, but right. you just think, okay, hey, you know what? If you're going to get upset about my post, I'm out of here. So I just jumped off of Facebook and realized nobody really gave a rat's behind. Yeah. They're like, no, all right. And you're out of that world and nobody cares. We're not as big a deal as we think we are. I think that's important to say. And it's dangerous when we want to be a bigger deal. If we're running to social media for validation, that's dangerous because yeah. I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but that will cause some sort of self-manipulation where you will become the thing that gets the most likes you will stop being yourself and you will stop running to the Lord to find out who am I supposed to be and who am I created to be and what has God gifted me to be. And instead of chasing those things, you will start chasing the thing that gets you the most likes and the most comments and the most clicks. And I've heard stories of people, and I may have done it myself. I, I don't remember if I have, but you put a picture up and that teenagers have confessed this to me. They'll put a picture on Instagram and if it doesn't get a certain amount of likes, they'll delete it take a different one, repost it because they're chasing that number or that validation or whatever it is in their mind. So when we use social media to validate who we are, to, to get our sense of I'm good and I'm liked and people approve of me, that's just a dangerous slope to start sliding down because the, you know, not to get too scriptural, but the same people that threw their coats on the ground and said, Hosanna, son of David, as Jesus was riding in, just a few days later, they were the ones yelling, crucify him. And so if we put our validation and our self-worth and our self-esteem in the hands of people online, then what are we gonna do when those people don't click like or they stop following us or we get in a social media spat? I mean, how are we gonna feel then? Definitely something for us to consider because at the end of the day, I know as a pastor and probably some of you ministry leaders listening, whether you would be willing to admit this or not, hasn't every minister at some point scrolled through Facebook on a Sunday night hoping to see positive affirmation from what they just got done <laughs> yeah. preaching or teaching? Yeah. And I know it's messed up. Uh, there was a meme that somebody had posted from one of the pastor parody accounts that basically said, when you go scrolling looking for positive comments about your sermon and just find cat pictures. <laughs> and I was like, it's so true. But so the danger of looking for validation, man, that is, that's huge. I think for us, that validation comes. What's crazy now that research is catching up to social media, we're discovering that even Facebook, Twitter, and all these companies are intentionally trying to wire us to become addicted to social media. Mm. And when you open up your Facebook app or your Twitter app or your Instagram, your Snapchat, your Witchadoozle, when you open <laughs> that up... We got to get on that app, witchadoozle.com. Witchadoozle.com, man. Look for it. Coming. It's going to be so awesome. Spring of 2018. Witchadoozle. One hour a week presents witchadoozle.com, the social media app for humble-minded ministers. There you go. Who do bad impressions. We're going to get Francis Chan to do it. You know, I mean, I just, I don't know if, 
what is social media but witchadoozle? Sign up for I'm David Platt, witchadoozle.com. So when you get on these apps, the thing is, when you see that notification, when you see it light up, there is literally your brain, you get a shot of dopamine. It's mm. just literally like a drug. And you start to crave that. So they know this. And what's funny now, they were talking about Instagram, I believe, has started doing this. Instagram, you'll get on there and you'll have a notification for something that's not really a notification, but they know that your brain lights it up. Just feeds the that. pleasure center of your of your brain lights up when you see that notification, and they want you just to keep opening that app. So when you realize, and some of you need to know, there's a problem that you are using way too much time on social media, but you need to know that yeah, it's your flesh number one. But at the same time, these very companies that are giving you free access to these apps are actually manipulating you through mm-hmm. the way they through the algorithms and the way they do it. There's a really interesting piece that aired on 60 Minutes one or two weeks ago. If you would have looked that up, social media, uh, 60 Minutes, you'll be able to find this. In fact, I'll find this link and post it on the uh, Hour a Week Facebook page. But just a, a interesting and shocking thing to realize that we are being manipulated by these people. Crossway is a, has just released a new book also called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Yeah. Uh, I ordered it. It's on the way. I haven't read it yet, but I'll get back to you and let you know how it was. Yeah. But same thing, that that these companies, cell phone companies and social media companies, are they're changing our brains. They're rewiring how, how we operate, and, and they know it, and they're yeah. taking advantage of it. And one more thing we need to talk about before we kind of transition into the positive things about social media is just the aspect of wasting time. True. There is something on your phone that will horrify you, and you may not want to do this in a public way. Um, oh, where are you going? If you, <laughs> What are you about to recommend? If, you, if you're on an iPhone and you open up settings and you go to battery under the settings, you will see in the last 24 hours, and then you can hit the little tab that says last seven days and see how much percent of your battery has been burned on what apps. Mm. And for me, coming in number one, the last seven days, 20% of my battery burning on my phone has been Twitter. So I don't have Facebook. Here I am, Mr. Humble. Well, I really got off of social media, but just caused too many problems. <laughs> the one social media I kept is still far and away over 10% higher than the next app. Facebook and Twitter make up 36% of mine over the last seven days. Yeah. A third of my phone battery. So just think about this, y'all. Think about how much time we spend on social media. Uh, do that test yourself and look at it and think, my goodness, and let me Jesus juke you. Where's your Bible app on that? Oh, snap. <laughs> like, well, I, don't even, I don't even think mine's going to register. Uh, at the conference, just- Kevin DeYoung mentioned in his talk that he gave that, you know, he, for some reason he was talking about just reading books, and he said, how much time do we waste instead of laying in bed at night reading we lay in bed at night and do this. And he did the motion of his fingers swiping a screen. He said, we just lay there and waste an hour or two every night, just swiping our screens, scrolling through the feed, seeing yeah. what everybody's eating or wearing or vacationing. Well, I know that you and I have been trying to read more. Yep. Always, that's a goal to read more. Yesterday, I tried intentionally during meeting with our associate pastor, Matt, I, I very intentionally tried to, during lulls, when he got a phone call or when he stepped out of the office, instead of picking up my phone, I picked up my book and you. just knocked out a couple pages at a time. And that's part of my problem is I like, if I'm going to start a chapter, I want to finish a chapter. Yeah. It's like a mental thing. But yesterday, it benefited me greatly. So 
If you're wasting time on social media, you need to think about it. John Piper has a pretty famous quote out there you've probably heard, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. I don't have it open here. But he says, if Twitter and Facebook, et cetera, social media is going to be worth anything, it will prove when we stand before God that our prayerlessness was not due to lack of time. Yeah, And that'll just slap you in the face. So if you Mm -hmm. are one of those as a ministry leader or pastor who, quote, don't have time to get your messages ready, don't have time to pray as much as you should or read the Bible as much as you should, uh, take a look at how much time you're spending on social media and go from there. I just want to stand before the pearly gates and hear the Lord say, well tweeted, good and faithful servant, Mm. well posted, well filtered, Mm. good and faithful servant. I like how you used Nashville on that picture of your tacos. Jesus knows everything (laughs) about us, not just the perfect, pristine, cute little presentation of yourself that you show on social media. And that's a whole other episode comparing our you know, other people's highlight reels to our blooper footage. Comparison is the thief of joy and social media does nothing but propel us to want to um, do that. So we we have spent almost wisdom today. I hope y'all are listening. Yeah. We are spitting wisdom. This podcast is, what is it? We want you to like it and share it and tell your friends about (laughs) how great we are. Uh, and we, we said when we started this episode today, guys, before we started recording, we're biting the hand that feeds us we, because we recognize this. we would not be here without social media. And we are going to ask you to like and share and pass this around. But again, at the end of the day, we have to evaluate our hearts. Are we doing this for followers? Are we doing this uh, for our enjoyment and for your enjoyment and for the good of the gospel? Sure. So you always got to be evaluating those things. So with that said, Good time to transition. We said, we're going to talk about some negatives and some positives. We're almost uh, way over halfway through the podcast at this point, and we have only talked about negative things. So let's talk about the benefits of social media in ministry specifically. What does that do to help us? How can we, even in healthy ways, use our platform to uh, take the gospel to the nations and encourage our people on a daily basis? Number one, obviously, church ministry, stuff like announcements, prayer requests, church news. I mean, social media is a must-have tool. If your church doesn't have a Facebook page or a Twitter account or whatever social media, if you're not using that, I mean, there's no reason not to. It is an online bulletin, and you know everybody in your church is waking up and checking their phones throughout the day. No reason not to be using social media for church news, announcements, and events. Definitely. I would just say this. Our church Facebook page has been one of the greatest assets to our church. I've even helped a couple of smaller churches who had pastors who weren't as tech savvy, who were like, how do we do that? I really want to do that. It's free and you can do it. And I know that I, Jared, I can speak for him. I think he and I would both be glad if you want to pick up the phone and call us, we can walk you through setting that bad boy up. It literally will take less than 10 minutes and you will have a resource that is beneficial to your church. And everybody from middle school all the way through the senior citizens are on Facebook. You've seen your grandma and your great aunt posting cat pictures and casserole recipes. You know she's on Facebook. Mm. So use Facebook group pages. The danger is when the the cat hair gets into the casserole. (laughs) Mm, Gritty. Other good uses. I follow a lot of pastors and preachers and uh, Christian friends on Twitter and Facebook who wake up in the morning and and tweet gospel thoughts. It's so if you do wake up and check your phone early, I'm not going to fault you for that. You know, you lay in bed and you're rubbing your eyes and you grab your phone. I'm not going to 
tell you, oh, open your Bible app. I'm not going to Jesus juke you like that. But it's good to follow those people and That's see. That's why I'm here. And see those so gospel you're going to open your phone before you open the Bible? Early in the morning. Paul David Tripp is one that I think of. Every morning he tweets, first thing in the morning, uh, three gospel tweets in a row. Three things You've mentioned to, Paul Tripp's book before. His book is based on his tweets, and he says that I believe in the foreword of his in, book. In the that people of the book. were so people were so inspired and, and enjoyed that that he thought, man, this would be beneficial. So he took those tweets and expanded upon them and made that devotional New Morning Mercies, which is incredible. The Piper quote you mentioned earlier, I think, was originally a tweet. It was the, a tweet. The use of Facebook and Twitter will show that. Why I said that weird? It was, <laughs> it was a tweet. It was a tweet. I don't really know much about social media. So, it was a snap tweet. So if we follow people because they're gospelly encouraging, is gospelly a word? Yeah, use it. It is now. We we can do the same thing. And again, not to be self-promotional or self-exalting, but to use our platforms as limited as, as they may be to point people toward Jesus and toward the gospel. So whether you've got 50 followers on Twitter or 50,000, people are following you. That means they made the choice to listen to what you say. So try saying some things that are, kingdom-minded and, and gospelly beneficial. That was my biggest fault on social media, and I'll just confess my shortcoming to you now. One of the reasons I'm not on Facebook anymore is because I was doing more damage than good to the gospel. Um, I was a lot of very convicting. I was all law, no grace. Mm. Uh, and what's funny about it as a pastor who does, you know, we we have the opportunity to preach at different places. So I have a lot of Facebook friends and, mm-hmm. and Twitter followers who are not in our church. And I started realizing that I would post something that was very true about the church or the failing of God's people as a whole. And it would get a hundred likes and comments and such from people from other churches. Right. Yet Cornerstone folks were staying silent because they're like, he's talking about us. That's a little too close to home. Yes. And and again, of course, that's one of the dangers. We are all so narcissistic that every post we read is about us, you know, and I'm sure that you've, you're posting about me when chances are you weren't posting about me. You know, that's kind of a goofy thing. But at the end of the day, people were in my church oftentimes more discouraged by what I posted than encouraged. So I realized, you know what, my primary quote platform is Cornerstone Baptist Church. So even though hundreds of people may be liking it and enjoying what I'm saying and enjoying my commentary, if Cornerstone's discouraged by it, then I'm actually hurting the gospel Hmm. at my primary place of witness. So I just got off of there. And I stayed on Twitter, and there are a whole lot less followers from uh, Cornerstone that follow me on Twitter, but I still, even now, try to be uh, positive and encouraging instead of tearing down. Of course, the Bible says something about that. You think about Ephesians 4.29, which says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is encouraging, beneficial to those that hear, so they might be, so that might be built up, something along those yeah. lines. And we usually tend to say, just saying, as if something being true makes it okay to say it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just saying the truth, yo. I mean, I'm just telling you how it is. That's, I'm sorry. I'm just that kind of guy. I'm just saying. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You're doing but it in a really Ephesians, abrasive way. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29 does not say, hey, if it's the truth, just say it. It says, if it's not going to build them up, you shouldn't be saying it. Right. Even if it's the truth. That's what's always shocked me about that passage. So I could tell you, like, you could tell me some things that are true. You could be like, hey, Rusty, man, you really need to cut back on the food a little bit. And that might be true, but is that going to build me up in this sense? Or some people will just say, hey, man, you've gotten fat. (laughs) Exactly right. That might be true. That's right. But it's not going to build me up. No. It's not going to build me up. 
one more positive way that I like to use social media is is I have found Facebook to be a really good place to engage. Surprisingly, it's been a good place for me to engage in conversation with people who believe and think differently than I do. I know it doesn't always seem that way, and a lot of people, myself included, will say that Facebook is not the place for serious discussion. But if you surround yourself with people and if you if you kind of know the people in your life that you can have civil conversations with, you can do it in the comments section of somebody's post. Uh, I have some family members who are, who believe way differently than me politically and religiously. I have some high school friends and some people I've met through the years that are just on the opposite end of the religious and political spectrum. And you really can't, if, if you are civil and thoughtful and intelligent and educated about your own opinions, then you can have a civil discussion with somebody else. It doesn't have to devolve into just yelling at each other and calling somebody a Nazi. You can actually have a good conversation in the comment section. So I've appreciated that aspect of Facebook and the people that are willing to engage in the conversations like that with me and talk about why they don't believe in the Lord or why they don't believe the gospel or they challenge me on something and we can have a an actual civil discussion about it and walk away still being friends. Also, there is just the joy of being connected to people in a way that was not possible 10, 15 years ago. I left my previous church four years ago now and love those people dearly still. And, you know, 20 years ago, if I walk away from Freeman Heights and move five hours away, all right, well, it's been good, y'all. And I may see you once every handful of years. But now it, my my loved ones at Freeman Heights are watching my kids grow up. Right. And they know Etta and Margie and they when they see them, they know them. And they and even on the other side of that, you know, I get to show Etta and Margie pictures of them and say, This is our friend, so and so. And it's been such a beautiful thing to get to stay connected to people in a real and tangible way, yeah. even though it may not be sitting in front of somebody drink a cup of coffee. So and it is a benefit, and at the end of the day, we just need to realize that um, there's good and bad with just about everything in this world, all things in moderation, and mm-hmm. we need to consider the way we use those, and are we using them as good, are we being a good steward of this technology that God's given us? And I think about Jesus saying this, that we will be held accountable for every idle word that is spoken. Or typed, or that tweeted. scares me, but yeah, then you, when you take it into the social media realm, I, I think it definitely applies, so... Think about what you're saying out there on social media, folks. Hey, it speaking, matters. Speaking of social media, follow Rollo Rusty so, on Twitter. I'm just so humble. At Bro even, Rusty Mott. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Jared Holliger. Follow us on Twitter at Hour A Week Pod. And our audio producer, Pat Overstreet. At Is This Pat O? Is This Pat O? Is This Pat O? So check that out. And hey, write us an email. Hour a week podcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can always keep up with us on our website, www.hourawekpodcast.com. Which we've kind of been slacking on lately. Oh, we're about to pick it back up, yo. Are we? Good. Because I've got some things to say. Mm. <laughs> hey, y'all. That, it's I, been great. I think thanks, that's it. Thanks for listening. I have not checked my social media for like 35, 37 minutes now, so... I've been on autopilot. I've been staring at Twitter this whole time. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> Check Drop out this, the mic. Look at this cat picture.